and welcome to The Young Ones, a podcast about teen superhero teams and why we love them. My name is Charlie, and I use they, them pronouns. And I'm Mikey, and I use he, him pronouns. And I think this is episode 27. I'll fix it in post if it's not. But I really don't care about the number episode today, because Mikey and I are not alone. We actually have, as you probably all already know, because I can't shut up about anything, we have the author of the upcoming Shatterstar Mini and of many other wonderful works, um, Tim Seeley is here with us today. Thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely. My pleasure. Mikey's pleasure too, probably, but I'm going to be the motor mouth. Yes, I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be the motor mouth today. So that's just going to be the way that it is. But yeah, obviously, everybody who listens to our podcast knows that I love Star and via me, because Mikey's my partner, also loves Shatterstar uh, <laughs> to varying degrees. But I just really was super excited when the mini was announced because it kind of came out of left field. At least I wasn't anticipating anything like that to happen. But that kind of, I'm not my first question, but can you tell us a little bit of just about your your work that you've done um, before, obviously, now and, and starting this mini? Oh, man. Okay, so I've been working in comics for, I think, 16 years. Um, so I started out as a artist. I drew uh, for G.I. Joe and a bunch of stuff at the publisher Devil's Do. And during that time, to dr- keep myself from going crazy, I wrote a comic called Hack Slash, um, which kind of set off a series of uh, writing jobs as well. So I've kind of always written and or drawn, depending um, on the gig. And I've done, let's see, I guess the big ones are, I've done uh, my book Hack Slash and Revival. Um, I've worked at DC on Nightwing and Grayson and Batman. Um, and I've done for Marvel Deadpool versus Thanos and Ant-Man and Wasp. Um, and let's see, what else have I done? Lots of stuff, I guess, over time. And then, uh, yeah, this is kind of my return to Marvel after a couple of years as a DC exclusive uh, doing Shatterstar. Yeah. Um, Mikey and I really liked Grayson and Nightwing. Yeah. And we and we aren't I'm not normally a DC person because I think once you have like you have your either start as one or the other. Right. And then you just kind of st- you kind of stick there unless somebody persuades you writer artist wise yeah. to kind of go over to the other side. Oddly enough, as a kid, I actually started as like a DC fan. Not a lot of people know that about me, I guess. Like I started out on the Adam West uh, Batman. I had like VHS cassettes of that recorded with the Wonder Years that my parents like gave me (laughs) to watch um, because we didn't have cable. So it was just like the same episodes of Batman over and over again. So (laughs) he's always had like the Bat family has always had like a soft spot in my heart. And I like stopped reading DC comics for a while um after like new 52 and then people were like telling me about midnighter and grayson and like oh this is really good and mikey i know you love midnighter because i love warren ellis's stuff and i read that and i was like wow this is really good this is like like the episode episode i felt like (laughs) an episode of a tv show but the the issue where they go into the bathhouse and are like beating people up with like towels uh, that was such a good issue. So thank you so much for bringing that to the DC canon. My pleasure. 
<laughs> but how what was your introduction to the X-Men or like X-Men adjacent things? Well, I mean, I'm I'm 41 now. So when I was, I think, 13 or 14 is when, you know, Rob Liefeld was doing New Mutants at the very end there. And I was reading it at the time I bought the issue. I think it's 98 of New Mutants where Shatterstar debuts. Like I bought it off the stand. I remember reading it on the school bus. Um, yeah. So, you know, like I was I was, you know, a, a kid in the 90s in a time where comics were going through a pretty interesting period that way. And X-Men was the top of the of the pile for sure at the time. Um, so, you know, I was I was there for that stuff. I think to me, X-Men as an interest of mine waned as I got older. I think I, you know, I was a huge fan of X-Men stuff when I was a teenager. And then by the time I was 19, 20, um, I kind of weaned off superhero comics for a long time. Um, and, you know, did indie stuff before I, I started working in comics. I was, I was reading more of that kind of stuff and, um, the DC stuff at the time, but you know, I, I have a solid foundation in X-Men stuff. I think like all kids my age or people my age because of, you know, when we grew up. So, um, you know, and to me, like when this offer came up and they said, Hey, what would you do with Shatterstar? It was easy for me to think, Oh, I remember that excitement when he first showed up like this, you know, the, the design is, was really cool. And, you know, Rob chose to trace a pretty great moment from Ronan to debut him where he stabs himself through the, mm -hmm. through his own body to kill somebody. So, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, like it's a perfect sort of appeal. And I, you know, I, I was always aware of where he went after that. You know, I followed X-Force all through my teenage years and, um, you know, I, and I've worked with Rob on stuff since then. So I, I've always kept up with his work and, um, I kind of knew where Shatterstar was in the meantime without, you know, being a huge X-Men reader at the time. Shatterstar adjacent. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like, I mean, even if you have like, you're not into a specific lineup, if you have like a favorite character, you tend to like keep tabs on them anyway. Like I know I kept tabs on some of the DC characters, even when I wasn't reading. So I totally, yeah, for sure. and, totally get that. You know, I mean, I, I tend to, you know, I think maybe coming from drawing first, like I, I, for me, a lot of times it's the initial impact is, is the design and the possibility, I think. So Shatterstar has always been a character with a great design and tons of possibility. So, you know, I was always interested in, in that, you know? Yeah. yeah and I, I was saying, um, I was saying like when Midnighter was coming out, like Steve Orlando's Midnighter book was coming out, I, I said to everybody, I'm like, I wish they could do this with Shatterstar. <laughs> like, I wish this was something that was happening with Shatterstar. And everyone's like, well, you know, not a lot of people know about Shatterstar. I'm like, where were you in the 90s? Because he was like extremely popular. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, and that's that's I think that's a perfect model for us to use is is Midnighter. I think that's. That's exactly it, you know, like to treat him seriously, but um, with affection, but, you know, not um, have to worry. Like he's a, you know, bisexual, polyamorous badass. And, and we should we should own that. That should be what our story is about in the way that, you know, they they really did own the Midnighter stuff and, and, and did a great job with it. Yeah, yeah. And, and with that, there was like homage to all the things that Midnighter was going through in that book. But like, there's a foundation of, you know, also Apollo's there and we're not going to like disrespect that, but we're going to tell this other story. So that's yeah. definitely what I really loved about that book. And I don't I don't DC at all. Like, basically, like, you got to look at this. You have to read this because <laughs> it's really, really great. 
and that I know you mentioned someone asking you, presumably Marvel, it may even have been Jordan White. And I know he loves Star a lot because he worked on X Factor, editing right. X Factor, the late part of X Factor. How did this book series come about? Did someone like come to you that way or did you kind of like have a pitch for it? Uh, no. So Jordan and I have known each other for a long time. I think when I first was doing Hex Slash, he was, you know, working at Marvel and it was one of the people who was like, hey, I really like this book. You know, what would you do with some Marvel stuff? And that's how he and I ended up working on. I can't remember exactly how it did. But we, we did, you know, Ant-Man and Wasp, some other stuff together. Um, and we had wanted to do a pitch for basically like Marvel slashers. Siri would be like Marvel zombies, but it was like teenagers camping in the woods, but they're superheroes kind of thing. That right. never quite got on the ground. So that was something Jordan and I had worked on. Um, so then, you know, I, I've worked at DC for the past five years um, and on my revival book. And then um, I was talking to Jordan at uh, C2E2 and just said, you know, hey, I, I think I'm going to be a, a free agent coming up. Uh, it would be great to work with you. And he came back with, uh, you know, what would you do with Shatterstar? We want to do something with him because of the movie. You know, he's in Deadpool 2. Um, and so they just kind of asked me what I would do. And I initially was kind of like stumped. And then overnight, I kind of had this whole series come, you know, roaring into my head that like a way I could, something I could do with him that that seemed new and interesting enough. Um, and so I threw back some ideas to him. And he said, that's kind of exactly what we were thinking. So. Uh, we just, you know, we dived right in and, and it's, you know, it's it's a uh, we had to do it kind of quickly because that I'm sure you guys are aware comics are made to come out monthly. And that tends to mean like you just have to you have to move. You don't get to sit around yeah. and think about it a lot. So. So, yeah, we just you know started making a book. We got um, Carlos Villa on art and we're getting Gerardo S uh, Sandoval as the uh, student sort of the flashback to Mojo verse scene. So it's it's going to look great. Uh, it'll be fun and, and big and, and dark and kind of personal. It, yeah. Look, the Carlos Villa's art, like just his Shatterstar pictures that I've seen, like even just like adjacent to the book, like not the actual, because Jordan shared a little bit of X-Men Monday, this last Monday, this Monday. Um, and I was like, look at this, this is beautiful. Um, and, you know, Gerardo Sandoval's art's like super, it's got a kind of like, I know he, he did the Age of Apocalypse mini for Secret Wars. And it's kind of like that obviously had like a, a heavy, like Joe Matarera 90s yeah, totally. kind of style to it. So I, when I heard, when I just kind of saw that they were going to be two different things, like that is a really awesome conceit because it's like, well, here's what it is now and there's what it was then. And I think that's like a really cool way to tell a story. So I'm super pumped about that. Yeah, it gives us a sort of framing. You know, every issue has this flashback to the, to who he used to be, which you know, it's definitely a part of the sort of, you know, noir hero, um, the, the that kind of detective character where we see what made them someone who lives in a world of violence. So, you know, we get to sort of do some of the crime noir tropes with him. Um, but it, it really works out well because, you know, uh, it does have that sort of 90s feel to it, which yeah, I love the current design we've done. But there's something so pure about that original design that it's it's. It'd be a bummer not to use it. You know, it's just so oh, cool, yeah. it's kind of yeah. underused. So, um, so that's a big part of our our story. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, I was of the mindset when um, Star got his haircut, like when he came back um, and uh, kissed Rick and <laughs> had a haircut. I I kind I missed his long hair, like because so many people make fun of it, and I every time I see that, I'm like, 
Yeah, well, people my, make my fun eyes. of like headgear too. And it's like, like my eyes are gonna roll out of my head. Stop that. <laughs> I literally I literally own that headgear because I did Taekwondo for quite some time. And like that's the kind of headgear you wear in sparring. Like I don't get why people make fun of it, honestly, because it's a completely logical like all of that costume, it's simple, like you said, and it makes sense for him as a fighter. Yeah, and I, I think there's just this weird thing where comic fans sometimes think, oh, that would look bad in reality, but who cares what looks good in reality? Because <laughs> it's paper and it just has to look cool on paper so that, you know, the hair is would be ridiculous in reality, but it looks great on a page because it accentuates motion and it, you know, like it's a, it, so that part always drives me crazy. Like, who, who gives a shit? I, yeah. I don't, so, I, I've um, seen people in your mentions be like, I hate this character, but I want to read the book. I'm like, I don't know if I want you to read the book if you hate Shatterstar. Like, well, I mean, that's the job. I mean, you know, my, my job is to make people care. Like, that's, yeah. you know, and people come in with preconceived notions and there's a certain amount of, you know, distaste for 90s stuff by some fans because I think they, they see it as being this sort of, you know, super aggro aimed at teenage boys kind of low on story high on art uh era which is true but it's or they also, liked it when you know, they there's were a kids. lot of gold yeah or for sure or, or you know it's just sort of the, the job is to distill all those things that people cared about and reacted to into something now that they'll that they'll find relevant and that they'll you know end up enjoying that that's my job so it starts um, changed a lot stuff. lonnie nadler and zach thompson who did the recent cable series and then they did that flashback to X-Force. A lot of people get hung up there and like Star is really not who he was then. In a lot of ways it matter he is, but there's been some developments, shall we say. Yeah, I mean, and you know, part of it is that the the needs of, of an ongoing narrative means you have to do additive things to a character to keep the drama high. And so, you know, I think him being a super badass that just wins all the time doesn't, doesn't track in a long term you know it's like he mm -hmm. has to have vulnerability he has to have human experiences and peter david is the king of that stuff i think you know him putting him in x-force and figure or x-factor and figuring out a lot of really good character moments and stuff to build uh drama and build narrative you know is great for the character but it's also in his dna to be this you know kind of a wolverine -y teenage boy uh fantasy of getting kick ass all the time you know like mm -hmm. he's both those things yeah yes he can be and he can be both because people are multifaceted <laughs> right, yeah exactly. um, um uh mikey you want to ask a question we have we we've we've kind of blitzed through some of the things uh um, <laughs> yeah but um, um go ahead yeah so when we speaking of like where star is as a character and his mindset and like him changing so when we start the series what would you kind of say that Shatterstar's headspace is like at this point in his life? Like, for you? Well, we basically started off, I wanted to get some distance from, you know, the past, you know, couple of storylines. So I didn't want to have to deal too much with, like, a lot of continuity to explain to people, like, the new Tian stuff. Or, you know, I just, like, that stuff happened, that's great, but we're going to start a little bit clean. So we start with him, he's kind of feeling generative because he doesn't have a team at the moment he's not part of something so he kind of he opens up this uh building he buys with the money he saved from all this work that he did and he he sort of makes it a refuge uh for people like him so other people that come from you know other dimensions and futures that that they've come back to the past 
he kind of opens up this building and he just has this uh, place in Queens that he he invites people to live and and he t- kind of takes care of some of their needs and he's you know he's kind of a guy trying to find a new place in his life because he's um at, at the moment without a direction so he's feeling a little bit sort of listless but he's you know he's trying to build something new and that's kind of uh the basis for this whole story is that you know in the process of building something new he, his past comes back to to haunt him which you know classic sort of that kind of character trope so but we try to do something new with it and, and play with stuff we haven't seen um to me it was you know it's also a chance to go back and sort of correct things that always bugged me as a kid like what you know why is the mojo that he has in the future mojo four and how come we've never really seen him and like all this kind of things that i wanted to oh yeah to fill in you know so um but yeah so it's it's just it basically starts off as a, a guy who's trying to move forward and is pulled back yeah that's something that struck me and just because I, I read your CBR article, because I was like, I don't want to ask him the same questions, but also like, because I wanted to, <laughs> to read it. Um, it kind of struck me that we've literally never explored Star's future, future like, past. Future past. Yeah. We, we've never seen what that Mojo world's like. We always spec. We like me as a fan, me in the fan community. We always speculate on what it is, but obviously, there's been no canon like answer to that. Um, so this is going to be like a really awesome unexplored space. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, the only time we've ever seen it was Shattershot, which was the, yeah. that storyline. And and that was actually like after the world he came from. So we've never really seen, you know, why he joined the Kadra Alliance or why we've never seen that stuff. Or who sent him to Earth when he met X-Force. Yeah, we've never seen that. Right, exactly. So that th- that stuff is going to be an important part of, the setup for his current uh, situation. So we're going to meet a character that has never previously been seen, but it's sort of the reason for a lot of the personality traits he develops later. So we'll kind of see, you know, why he treats relationships the way he does, but it's not going to be exactly the same as he said. I mean, he's, he's kind of skipped some facts because so much of his past is mysterious and we'll see a lot of the stuff that made him the guy that he becomes. Yeah. He's a skip some facts kind of guy. For sure. He yeah, didn't tell anybody he was right. married, quote unquote. <laughs> By the way, Rick, I'm married. Speaking of Richter, and I know this is a question you've gotten from so many people, and I want to apologize personally to you because I added you in the question roundup, and that is like the number one question, and I'm so very sorry <laughs> that everyone was adding you on that. Um, but. I know you can't tell us kind of what exactly what Richter's doing in the book, but I think, could you tell us if they're still in a relationship when this book starts? Or maybe they're not. I know in Rosenberg's Dead Souls, that's something that's going on in the background tangentially in that book. Um, can you tell us for de- definitively? <laughs> no, I mean, I can't tell you definitively. I, I feel like that's the one of the things with, you know, readers is like uh, instantly when you take me in, it's like people get mad at me, like, you better not break them up or whatever. It's like me yeah. so much is like, that's not really my job. You know, my job yeah. is to tell you a story and make it interesting and, and people's lives are full of drama and stuff. So Richter is very important in the story. Issue two specifically is about them uh, and their relationship. But, you know, issue one begins, it's a Shatterstar story. And I wanted to, you know, part of, I think what makes them interesting is that they have, they don't have the same kind of relationship. It's not like 
they're married or they're they have a very specific definition of their relationship. They're two dudes who mean a lot to each other. Um, they're friends, they're lovers, but there's also this distance between them and always has been. And I think that was to me, the most interesting part of it is that, you know, they're trying to make a relationship work when there's two, when there are two people with completely different views from completely different worlds. Um, and that, that's, you know, that's kind of what I wanted to play with. I'm not, you know, I, I didn't want to tell a story about the happy hand-holding couple skipping down the street, and that's it. Like, I, it's not, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's not that's how, not how life is. Yeah, <laughs> and it's, just, it's not right. Exactly, it's not how superhero stories work, right? They're they have to be about drama. They have to be about, you know, the the sacrifices made to live a heroic ideal, and so it, it is. Richter's obviously important to him. It, it's it's important to the story, um, but you know, I just don't want to tell you like. Oh yeah, it's totally ab- about their romance and handholding and escaping <laughs> down the street. Like, because it's I have to I have to tell you something new, and you've seen yeah. that already. Yeah, and you're, you're also not writing like Spider-Man loves Mary Jane, right? Like, <laughs> right. Exactly. It's a it's yeah. a different kind of story, and you know I never thought about it that way, but now that you bring it up, they are kind of unique in comic couples in general, but like queer comic couples in specific. Of like, usually you when you see characters introduced, they're like introduced together. And they're like inextricable from one another, like they don't have their separate identities. But that's one thing that Richter and Shatterstar definitely do do. So they work separately, like you mentioned, like they can do their own thing because they're their own people. And a lot of times, like we don't see that, like even when Catwoman and Batman are in a book together, sometimes it becomes less about either one of them and their personalities, but like more about the like them together as a unit. So I'm actually glad to hear that, that you're like letting them be their own people. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, you know, I learned, I mean, Tom is one of my closest comics friend and I learned, I saw what happened with him in the Batman and Catwoman. Oh, geez. Just how angry people get about these relationships. And I think, you know, part of it is this, this, I don't know. It's, it's easy to sort of want these things to be what you don't get in life. You know, this really, fairy tale story so um but also like that's not the job you know so like so part of our story is about that is it about is about this sort of shatterstar wishes it was this fairy tale thing that he he knows is valued on earth and he doesn't know how to do that i think that's interesting i mean that's a you know you're nailing um, like everything i've ever thought about star (laughs) like yeah like just by talking to me like it's um yeah, just like things that he wants, like fantasies, like his, like what his thoughts about that are. Well, and if and... you think about it, like he grew up with like TV. So who knows if right. like the days of our lives is like broadcast a mojo world or whatever. But like that's Star's context kind of for relationships. Yeah. And what's going to be a big part of the story is he knows about narrative. He he lived a life, you know, constructed around a basically drama to make the most for ratings right his life was designed to for ratings so suddenly he's when he's living in the real world you know entertainment and life are not the same things and and that's a challenge that we want to put him through it's i think it's there's a there's a meta context there for for the character but also for comic heroes in general so like you know i'm i'm thinking while i'm writing this about tom and and having to write a batman and catwoman wedding that uh, didn't go through and made people angry. So like part of the, 
this is it's influencing me because I'm I'm seeing it every day. Yeah. So yeah, it's part of the story is about that. Um, you know, and I'm I'm not ruining anyone's childhood. I'm not. <laughs> I'm just no. I'm telling someone. I'm telling a story about a character and um, about how life is is tough and to make uh, you know intimacy work. It's 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 even tougher for a dude bred to stab other people. So yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like it, he's like if, if, you know, we always talk about how wrestling is fake and KFAB and everything. But it's like what if wrestling was real and like you actually <laughs> right rather than pretending to be the wrestler persona, like you had to find space for yourself to be a human because all anyone wanted you to be was the wrestler persona. That's great. That's yes, that's the story. Good. Excellent. <laughs> Mikey, awesome. Mikey got it in one. Yeah. Well, as someone that like wrestling has gotten big like on social media and stuff and like i didn't grow up with it because i wasn't it was too violent for me as a kid um i was not allowed <laughs> but um can't have ketchup packets in your tv at all um but like i've gotten into it because of social media and so like that element of like having like it's it's really like wrestling stories are a lot like superhero stories and i think that's why it has kind of this yeah, universal appeal so yeah i agree i mean I've never understood wrestling because to me it's sports and I don't get sports, but like the, <laughs> the drama, the narrative is the same, right? The, the can't must and the turning, you know, emotional pain into physical pain. Like that's, that's the hero journey, right? Right. It's, and it's like totally... the good guys become the bad guys and like they join up with this team and oh no, these yeah. team are evil. They're going to turn evil now. And like trying to figure out where anyone is at any given point <laughs> and what their alliances are is yeah, for sure. Yeah, like I think it's that's just like yeah, I think that's why a lot of X-Men fans specifically like also wrestling because yeah. it's that su it's the super it's a soup soap opera with punching and that's what yeah. X-Men is. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah. Um I will ask you and I don't know if you can I I hate asking questions that I I'm like don't tell me I'm not going to pointedly ask you this. Um but is there anyone living in Star's apartment building that like is somebody that we already know? Like or is maybe related to canon that already exists? I mean, they're all new characters, but they're all related to, you know, it's a, they're like deep dives in Marvel Universe stuff. So, awesome. Um, but it, it's, you know, they're all people who are sort of living a Marvel comic story that we haven't seen. They don't have their own title. But, you know, one of the characters is, her name is the End Woman, and she comes from like the end of time, and she came back to stop the slow destruction of the universe. You know, she's basically sort of a cable-like character, but she's her own person. And there's a guy um, named Pug Smasher, who's the Spider-Ham universe version of Flag Smasher. Oh my um, God. Who, you know, so like... <laughs> so good. Um, and then there's these, you know, there's two brothers who um, are basically like from this fantasy world where, you know, it's, it's sort of... Um, uh, there are two princes who... You know, we're originally fighting each other, but their universe got destroyed. So they come to Earth and they have to be roommates, even though one is good and one is evil. And <laughs> you know, so they're but it's like just sort of these um, these unique personalities that are, you know, kind of the cast of a wacky sitcom. But they're very human. And you see these very like, you know, in the Marvel story, I think what works so good is that this should be ridiculous. Yet there's some really deep emotional stuff and there's some real pathos here and there's you know that's the job so um it becomes you know he's he's chosen to help these people in this world that that they don't necessarily understand yeah and he's like he's 
because he's a good boy deep down in his soul. Um, yeah, and I think he just wants function. You know, he wants to know he's good for something, and he's he's spent some time now on on in our in the Marvel universe anyway, and he can, you know, he feels like he's doing something if he's directing these sort of lost souls. We we had a joke about um one of somebody calling him to like to fix their electricity. <laughs> <laughs> like that's all the things a landlord does and like what star would do to fix those things yeah i mean that's definitely a part of the first issue take out his swords yeah. and you know channel the electricity <laughs> through his swords and fix the that's jumper a good, box that's a good question i didn't have down um tim what is your explanation of stars and mutant power <laughs> or like what's your take at least yeah i mean what what his power is he can, yes i mean basically he channels vibrations somehow and he can use it to fire off energy beams from his swords or cut a hole in space and jump through it and teleport. Okay. That's basically it. Basically as far it. as I understand. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's a little bit, I don't know. It's one of those things where that's why I'm not like mutant powers are so weird. Cause you always have to explain what it is where it's like, you know, the, the Superman set, like you never have, it's just like, that's what he does. And, and uh, he's strong and he flies and blah, blah, blah. But this like, you're like, and he makes it vibrate and thus space <laughs> opens up and he's like, Oh Jesus. Um, I mean, so, how do you explain, like, luck powers, honestly? So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just try to do the thing where, you know, it, as long as it's cool and interesting, I don't worry about explaining it too much. Um, so, you know, we use both uh, the sort of energy blast thing and the teleportation thing. We use it throughout the story and, and it has consequences for using it. And, you know, um, but I just try not to get too deep in the weeds because it's it. It's not fun if I do. You know? Oh, oh no. And I, I was in that random thread three or so weeks ago where um, Fabian ECA. So it's like, no, this is the panel that he wasn't talking to Star. He was talking to Domino. Oh, about whether he's in, a mutant or not. Yeah. Because Jordan White um, opened a can of yeah. words. On yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was some crazy stuff. And to me, like, I just don't want to touch any of that stuff either because it's what makes the character so, so interesting is, is what's simple. It's like, He's an alien gladiator who ends up on Earth and becomes a superhero slash detective. Okay, that's good. I, I don't need and, too much more than that, right? Yeah. Like the if I have to explain, you know, how he's his own father and that stuff that's great in X Factor and totally makes sense. And I'm glad Peter got into that stuff, but it's too much for a solo story, you know. Yeah. To like, to make the character weigh all those things uh as as being interesting or important. Like it's too much, you know. And he doesn't—he doesn't, doesn't lose his people. Yeah, he doesn't need a Wolverine-style miniseries where he's and he, uh, arguably Wolverine doesn't, where it like constantly rehashes like the Weapon X stuff. Like we don't need that for Star. Like yep. it—it's interesting. Totally it's interesting to see his backstory, but I don't need to see like necessarily like okay, Ares took him from like Gene Vat A and put him in Gene Vat B with this different chemical and that you know like I don't. <laughs> Nobody, yeah. nobody actually wants to read that. That doesn't make for an interesting comic series, I don't think. For me, it's if I, I have to just distill it down to like it's a sentence or two. It's like yeah, alien warrior born to fight, you know, fought against the system, and is now sort of you know forced to to deal with a past in which killing and fighting gave him great ratings. So how does that affect him? Like that's simple and easy, and I get it. And now. If I have to do too much else, it's it's going to drag us down. So yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's cool stuff in its context, but you know, 
I don't care if he's a mutant or not. I don't care if he's genetically engineered. I don't, none of that stuff. Whatever you think, you're right. That's <laughs> that's a really good way to put it. I, I know you talked about a little bit about um, that pureness of that initial star design. Do you have, is is that your favorite Shatterstar outfit in era? Or I know you've, I also read all of X-Force and I'm very partial to the purple and yellow um, oh, yeah, outfit sure. with, with the katanas. But do you have a favorite? Is that your favorite? Yeah, the original one is my favorite. Okay. Sure. Okay. Um, and I mean, I and I actually, you know, I understand superhero getting redesigned to sort of, you know, get people interested. But to me, the farther you get away from the simple iconic thing that identifies them, I think, you know, it, it causes people to like go, "Who's that?" And I, you always want people to be like, "I know who that is." And yeah. he's got a black star on his chest and big swords. He must be Shatterstar. You know, it's like. <laughs> Like yeah. the name Spider-Man, like I should be able to pick out Spider-Man in a crowd and I can because it's such a good design, you know? Yeah. But like not every, I think the superheroes that don't work are the ones that you don't have that simple, iconic, boiled down, looks great on paper, makes sense design, you know? The purple one is kind of cool, but I also like, he, it's he's sharing it. It's like a team uniform, right? Yeah. They all at the time. And I get that, but it also, you know, then it needed a unify. Like to me, that's like, taking away from the individuality of the point, which I think is let's throw a bunch of weirdos together and make them work together. So <laughs> I need them to be individual weirdos. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, I mean, X-Force was really individual weirdos, even if they were all wearing purple and yellow. And I think a lot of that redesign was a team. Let's make them a team again. But also like this obvious switch from the double bladed swords to the katanas was like, it's 1996 there's anime happening <laughs> like sure. anime right. is yeah. rumbling like that that also kind of was part of that like as that book went on and like obviously the benjamin russell stuff i'm not gonna talk about that because i don't understand it <laughs> <laughs> yeah me neither does anyone i don't me think either. anybody does and i don't honestly i'm not sure even jeff Loeb does so that's fine <laughs> it's like that that meme like i don't understand this thing and i don't want to <laughs> i mean basically the way i approach it is he takes the name ben that's it. His name yeah. is Ben. That's and good enough. You know, I mean, like if I have to explain that he's bonded with a human warrior or human mutant or, uh, you know, it'll lose you. So, like, we acknowledge it. And if you really care about that part of the story, great. It's totally part of the history. If you don't care about it, don't worry about it. That's if you care about it. Go read X, X Force 59, yeah. 16, 61. <laughs> And it sounds like, again, you're just doing like a whatever you think about this is right, because like, honestly, it doesn't matter how exactly that went down. What's important is, like you said, him taking the name and like that meaning something to him. Yeah, it means something. It doesn't cause any effect in the story. We need to move ahead. Right. So, you know, that's I like to keep it kind of insular and like every element that is here is important to you know the story going ahead. So the stuff we show in the past is important to the present and and. That's it. You know, and everything else is there. If you like it, it's great. Yeah. Awesome. I'm honestly kind of bummed that we didn't get to see the original Shatterstar uniform reimagining in Deadpool 2 as much as I thought we might. Oh, boy. <laughs> and, and I actually liked it. I thought it was good. I thought it was a good translation. No, I say, oh, boy, because I was super pumped for Star in the movie. And you know, we all know sure. what happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's that. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not going to lie that like I got there's, there's still some salt in my wounds in regards 
Yeah. Um, I mean, that's the thing, you know, when you're doing Deadpool, then everything else is fodder for a Deadpool joke. That's oh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's not it's not a slight. It's just that when you're doing that, you need to provide yourself with as much things as for Deadpool to basically basically poop on. You need as much as possible for him to ruin it. And that's the joke. Right. So. So, yeah, you know, it's I I think the fact that Shatterstar showed up in a movie, that's pretty amazing. That happened. So, yeah. Yeah. And it was good. Like, it was a good interpretation of Shatterstar. Yeah, Lewis Tan looked great, and the, uh, the design was cool. And, you know, it's just, I, I'm sure they'll use him in, in X-Force or something, the movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. My biggest complaint about it was Lewis Tan is awesome, and he's really good at fighting, and I want to watch him fight at Shatterstar. Yeah, totally. Yeah, for sure. That I mean, that's the only bummer is you didn't get that that sort of exploration but that movie did so well that they're gonna of course oh yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll, they'll pull it he's and he's so excited about being shatterstar which is like really amazing <laughs> yeah he, he uh tweeted me uh that's pretty cool so yeah good for i'm glad that you know these actors are owning these characters and they feel um you know important that they they know it's important and they don't they're not ashamed they're, they're like cool with it so i think that's yeah cool. yeah that'll kind of lead me into some twitter questions um all right we only have time for so many. We, if we asked every question, we'd be here all day. Yeah. And I don't want to. <laughs> um, but my friend, my good friend, Zach, at Xavier Files on Twitter asked, were you at all surprised when the mini got announced about Star's small but very dedicated fan base? Uh, a little. Yeah. I mean, I I guess I assumed that he had a fan base. And I guess I kind of liked. That's one of the appeals I had to take the job was that I knew that it wouldn't be like writing Nightwing, which, you know, there's lots of expectations and there's, you know, tons of fans, but there's also, you know, he's important to the universe. And I thought this would be great because it would have passionate readers, but it also wouldn't have like, uh, I guess, baggage in a way or, or that sort of weight that comes with writing a character that has to be an anchor for a whole universe. Uh, so I guess, I, yeah, I mean, I knew that they, they existed. And I'm glad that they're there. Uh, I just assumed it would be flexible enough for me to get away with some stuff that I wouldn't have got away with in Nightwing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's a good way to put it. Go for it, Mikey. So we have another one from OK But Bear With Me on Twitter. What would you consider to be focal points of Shatterstar? What is a good characterization and what isn't? Where would you draw the line? I mean, I think everything that has been done with him is relevant. I just think the the thing that seems to work the most about him is he's you know he's a stranger in a strange land um doing his best to fit in and make it work without giving up his his sense of honor and and duty um and he's sort of plagued by the violence of his past so i think that take which is is really the sort of raymond chandler uh private detective character mm. distilled perfectly you know that's a great um version it's a, it's a great world for him to exist in because you can get a lot of story out of it and um, so, you know, anything that sort of goes outside that, uh, you know, I think you risk taking away what makes him appealing. I think the, the naivete and the, the attempt to fit in, but sometimes failing, I think that stuff's interesting. If, oh, yeah. if you go too far in one direction, I think you just end up with like less interesting Wolverine. But if you, if you keep him in that realm, I think you get something new, you know, I think you get something uh, unique to the Marvel universe that, 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 that's why he's, that's why they're still fans. I think that's why people still care. 
yeah, I think you plug plugging into the the I'm an alien, but I'm on Earth. Like that's a tr- favorite trope of mine anyway. Um, and it's 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 always good and and, and great to to balance that out. Um, and I you I think you're absolutely correct about like going like in one direction. It's like there's Wolverine. What, what is this? Yeah. What is this guy doing? <laughs> which i know we've talked about like kind of that a lot but it obviously yeah is you have like a spectrum from like wolverine to deadpool on sort of like full aggro soldier to like media savvy almost so well it's the ones that that they don't stand out that disappear right so like right there were other characters introduced around the time of shatterstar that that didn't click i mean they were just badasses with swords or whatever I mean, from whether it was from Wildstorm or Extreme or Marvel or DC, they didn't they're not relevant because they didn't find something new to explore yeah. um, that couldn't be explored better by Wolverine or, you know, um, or whatever the case. But so, you know, the fact that he he's still here and didn't disappear, I think, is all the testament you need to know that that story works. Yeah. Or, or you had like really weird heroes like, oh, I can talk to the innate qualities of a city and that's my superpower <laughs> that was the character in wildstorm and the authority it was no that, that was, character is great that's jack uh i love jack him but also yeah. just like we don't see him a lot because that's a hard thing to fit into a story in my opinion sure like, yeah I, I would love to see more of him and i'm actually really glad that warren ellis is getting to bring back some of those legacy characters in the wildstorm which i still i'm slowly making my way through but um so we have a question, another question from Check the Circuit on Twitter, aka Furious Bible. Um, will Shatterstar's relationship with Longshot and Dazzler be at all addressed or touched on in this series? I just no. I just, <laughs> I, just I mean, it, it, it's interesting, but it's its own story. It's yeah, you know, that's a different story. I think you know we mentioned Longshot. Longshot is important to the Mojoverse. He's sort of this. Um, like almost religious figure, I think by the time Shatterstar shows up. So, um, but yeah, it's just too, I don't, I just like, it, it's like when you're telling a cable story, like you, it's just so hard to go, you know, Oh, and here's my parents, Gene and Scott. And like, why don't you hang out more? Why don't you spend Christmas together that you're there? That, you know, like, you, like it's just, yeah, it's too weird to, to saddle this five issue story out with. Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. And I, I, and I like those characters. I like the idea. I just, it's just. I too, think people ever since we ever since we learned that Dazzler stars mom, I think like a certain subset of people, myself included, at times, are just like, can he ever tell her that, like she has a son? Like she seems to be going well, through also, a rough it's time. It's unclear. It's unclear if he remembers that either, because that's either true. Sort of thing where he he says that he has to, you know, the parent, the people who raised them him uh they have to erase their memories of this and it's just like that's great and it works awesome in an x-factor story which is about that but if you have to go back to it in a story that is not about it it's too much yeah okay and like for for cable like you said like there was recently a mini well it was a it was a run but it was a shorter run and but it was all about cable's past so like it made sense to talk about things like that like it was just about him going back through his memories whereas like Again, like you said earlier, if you try to add too many ingredients to the pot, like it gets weighed down. Yeah, I mean, it's you don't ever learn about John Wick's mom in John Wick, right? Like, yeah, it's correct. not part of the story. It, it, I mean, it's, <laughs> I am certain John Wick had a mother. I just don't. 
I don't, it's not part of the story. Like we just need to know John Wick's a hard motherfucker and he kills people. And, and now they, they brought him back. So there's your story. And you know, that's the job. So I, <laughs> I always come back to that. Like I just started, I always try to figure out like, what is my job? That is not my job. <laughs> no, I think that's a really good way to, to kind of push forward. Cause if you're thinking about the outliers all the time, me as a writer, like that's going to kill you. That's just going to yeah, kill you. Yeah, going to drag you down. Well, yeah. and it's it's better sometimes to like touch on those things as like emotional touch points than it is to flush them out fully as like character beats too. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I will do one last question and it is a silly one because also on this podcast we talk about things like um chain restaurants and things of that nature. Um my friend Casey at Casey Crook on Twitter asked, um what are some of your strongly held beliefs on specific chain restaurants and what do you think are Shatterstar? <laughs> <laughs> um so i guess for shatterstar i think he would be sort of mystified by how commercial it is because he's so used to that sort of thing but even he would be shocked by using a clown to sell hamburgers i think so like <laughs> if, you know like he lives on the most sort of blatantly consumeristic uh, consumerism based uh, economy in the universe and he's still like seriously like this is how they get people to eat french fries uh so but I think he'd, you know, I think he'd be the kind of guy who sort of uh, secretly loves fast food. I think that's how he would, he would be like occasionally completely ashamed about how he ate like four Big Macs and then cried or something. Um, Is he into but, the deep McDonald's lore? Yeah, yeah, exactly. The mo Mojo Donald's, I guess, is probably... Well, and you have, like, um, what is it? Someone took the, the purple guy and made him Thanos. Oh, what is his name? Oh, Grim Grimace? Oh, Grimace. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And Mac Mac Tonight and, you know, oh, the Fry Kids, all of that. It's oh, a whole time. Good. I have a... And I'm going to... I'm going to do this because it's my podcast that I can. I have a sketchbook that is just different artists who have drawn me pictures of Shatterstar um, eating cereal or interacting with cereal. Because <laughs> I have a I have a deeply strong belief that because Star is who he is and he grew up in Mojo World, not here, that once you find something he really likes, like it's like this is mine. <laughs> so that's really makes sense. Yeah. So what would you say Star's favorite cereal would be? <laughs> Oh man, um, it's gonna be something like ridiculous, like uh, something that it's like cookies, just cookies floating in milk, basically. Like so, uh, Cookie Crisp or yeah, Cookie Crisp the cereal, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what he'd be into. You know what? That was I. I oscillate between Cookie Crisp and Captain Crunch. Um, yeah. So that's that's a perfect answer. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And that's um, my own personal deeply held beliefs on chain restaurants. I live in Chicago. Uh, we don't really have that many chain restaurants here, but I grew up in a town where that's all there was. Um, so I tend to avoid them like I, they're the plague until I go to my hometown and then I'm like, bring on the Applebee's cause that's what we got. So. <laughs> that's yeah. That's where like I live in Ohio. Uh, Mikey fortunately lives in DC, so he doesn't have, he's got better places to eat just like you well, do. In Chicago. <laughs> I mean, I grew up, I grew up in a town though. That was dumb. It was all like military families and it was dominated by the mall. So like I did grow up with like, you know, fast food was a treat cause growing up military, like we didn't have a lot of money, but I still really looked forward to like going to Taco Bell or, you know, it's like a religious experience. You'd go like once a month. So, you know, oh, yeah. we still get Taco that. Bell gets, it's always a religious experience, no matter 
who you are and how long <laughs> you've lived and where you've been, it's still pretty religious. So <laughs> that's true. Well, I think that kind of ends our 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 questions and our interview. Um, so obviously before we absolutely wrap up, I wanted to say thank you so much, Tim, for doing this with us. I know yeah. we're kind of silly, um, and um starts kind of silly in a way, but like also an awesome badass, and that's kind of why I love him. Um, because he's oscillates between those two things. Um, but thank you so much for for doing this with us. Um before Mikey and I pitch ourselves and our podcast, um, where can people find you? I'm on Twitter at Hackin Tim Seeley. Uh, you can find my art stuff uh, around. I have a DeviantArt page at Colt Noble and um, TimSeeleyArt.blogspot.com and some other stuff. Um, but yeah, that's mostly where I hang out. Is I'm like uh, hate myself for this, but I'm mostly on Twitter as far as social media goes. So. <laughs> Uh, hit me with questions and opinions. You can always do it there. I mostly am good about uh, getting back to people as long as it's not too passive aggressive. Uh, so uh, hit me there. Such is, such is life. Don't ask don't ask Tim more questions about Rick, please. Like, sometimes like, sometimes I mean, it's fine. So, I'll just tell you. You know. He knows. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sometimes Twitter is a whole time, and unfortunately, it is the place to be. Much as others have tried to make it not so. Um. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's fine, you know, and I, I I'm glad people care about stuff. So so you can be as passionate as you like, just stick away from death threats and passive aggressive, and we are good to go. Oh yeah, absolutely. We did a whole bit on like not calling people out because that's something you know it's not it's just not not a good way to be. So, um, but thank you so much for for making time to be here and for spending an hour of your time today with us. We really do appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun, and I'm so excited for the book especially for like weird slice of life stuff punctuated Thank by you. murder yeah so. yeah it'll be it'll be fun it'll be unique and i think you know maybe this can establish a a, a new way to if it's successful enough you can get shatterstar books for the next 10 years so please uh, god please that's all i want and, and, yeah more shatterstar <laughs> more shatterstar and more like weird multiverse stuff that's yeah, always the sure. yeah all right thank you again thank you yeah, so this has been The Young Ones. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Young Ones Cast, uh, where we tweet about all the episodes and occasionally put out calls for questions like we did for this, um, which thank you again, Tim, for taking those. Um, I'm Mikey. You can find me on Twitter at quantum dot dot and on twitch.tv slash quantum dot, where I talk about comics and tabletop role playing game design and video games and stuff like that. Carly, where can people find you online? And I am at Genetic Ghost on Twitter, and I uh, talk about what I'm writing, talk about Star a lot, talk about Rick a lot, talk about comics a lot, and that's just what I do. Um, so you can find me there if that is something you think you like. But yeah, all right. Well, thank you again, Tim, and um, we don't have an outro, so just goodbye, everyone. Yeah, I don't know if there's like a thing that Star has like a interjection or battle cry. Zazvid, that's what it is. <laughs> there you go. Okay. All right, bye everyone. Good. Bye.